1: Thanks everyone for joining us today. Joining me on the call from their respective homes, uh, Philip Pascal, Chairman and CEO, Hannes Meyer, CFO, Tristan Paschal, Director of Strategy, Rudy Bardenhorst, Director Operation Zambia, Wyatt Buck, Director of Operations, Juliet Wall, General Manager Finance and Simon McLean Group Reporting Controller. As usual, before we proceed, I'll draw your attention to the fact that over the course of this conference call, we'll be making several forward-looking statements, and as such, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our first quarter MD&A and the related results news release, as well as the risk factors, particular to our company, which are detailed in our most recent annual information form and available on our website and on CEDAR. A reminder that the presentation which accompanies this conference call is available on our website. So, as usual, I'll get us started with some opening remarks before Hannes' review of the financial results. Then we'll open the lines to take your questions. However, there isn't uh, much that is usual about anything these days as we're dealing with the pandemic. I think this is the first time we've not had at least some of our group assembled in one office to participate in our quarterly calls. Today, uh, we're all joining those calls from our home, and it's certainly an unprecedented time. Before the quarter began, uh, very few people had even heard of the coronavirus or COVID-19. And at our last call in February, it still seemed like a China problem, though that was about to change dramatically. The impact at first was not significant, and our operations continued normally, other than the introduction of some new protocols around sanitation, distancing and travel issues. In fact, the operations performed quite well during the quarter. Cobra Panama experienced some unplanned downtime, but that, that issue was resolved. Cansanchi was a little better than expected with improved throughput and recoveries, while Sentinel remained steady. Our costs within guidance and all in sustaining cost was uh, better than guidance. There certainly was increasing pressure on the copper price, but despite that, we continued to generate strong cash flow. We uh, continued to advance Ravensthorpe operational readiness work, culminating in the restart of production through the atmospheric leach in April 2020, followed closely by the high-pressure leach plant. Before I turn things over to Hannes for his review, I do think it's very important that I reiterate that First Quantum's top priority is the health and safety of its employees and communities. Throughout the organization, we've implemented new protocols and procedures to provide protection for our workforce and the community at large. These protocols have been developed and implemented according to the restrictions, guidelines, and regulations set out by the government and health authorities in each of our operating jurisdictions. The controls that some governments have put in place to mitigate the spread of the virus, like travel restrictions, border closures, and non-essential business closures, have had an impact on our business. But we are dealing with these issues and finding solutions. As a result of the government controls, we had an interruption of operations at Cruces that lasted a few weeks, but we were able to continue to process stockpiles and have recently recommenced feeding fresh ore from the mine. Cobre Panama operations have also been impacted, and it was placed on preservation and safe maintenance on April the 7th, although we are keeping the port and power plant operating to power maintenance activities and to feed the national Panamanian grid. As a result of these impacts, we have reduced our previously announced overall production expectations for the year by some 75,000 tons of copper and 30,000 ounces of gold, on the assumption that Cobre Panama resumes production by the end of May. As you would no doubt have expected, we have completed a thorough review of all spending, and as a result, have significantly reduced our expected capital spending for the year. And our operating costs have benefited from the decline in price of some of our inputs, together with reductions in G&A through headcount reductions, compensation cuts for most senior staff, of up to 25 percent expiration spending will also decline in part as a result of travel restrictions and so along with the financial improvements made in q1 the bond tap issue in january the ongoing hedge program and more recently the resetting of bank debt covenants all of which Hannes will talk about shortly the actions we are taking at our operations with the support of the host governments and all of our employees will help us to withstand these unprecedented challenges. So with that, I'll now ask Hannes to take you through his review. Uh,
2: Thank you, Clive, and good day to everyone. Uh, I would like to direct you to the slide titled Financial Management. The company is actively focused on the management of all capital spending and operating costs while maintaining a high level of safety and productivity during these unprecedented times. We have reduced our guidance on both capital expenditure and all in sustaining cost. Commodity prices have weakened over recent months, but the company's copper and nickel hedge programs mitigate some of the price volatility in the near term. In April, the company also hedged 180 million liters of ultra low sulfur diesel, part of our cost management strategy. Recently, we announced that we have amended our financial covenants under the senior term and revolving credit facility in response to uncertainty related to COVID-19. Net debt decreased for the first quarter since June 2016. Quiddity improved with net cash and cash equivalents of 1.1 billion at quarter end available. Turning to the next slide, Cobra Panama placed onto preservation and safe maintenance We've outlined some of the impacts on Cobra Panama being placed into preservation and safe maintenance. So following the decision to place Cabre Panama in preservation safe maintenance, effective 7th of April, Cabra Panama production guidance for 2020 has been reduced to 210,000 tons to 235,000 tons, and gold guidance reduced to 90,000 to 100,000 ounces. Public Panama production guidance is dependent upon receiving approval from the Ministry of Health of the Republic of Panama to end the preservation and safe maintenance shutdown and to commence the restart of operations before or by the end of May 2020. Production guidance for all other operations is unchanged. Preservation and safe maintenance costs are estimated at between $4 and $6 million per week assuming the suspension of labor contracts and other variable and fixed costs. Turning to the next slide on 2020 guidance, as I've just noted, Copper Panama copper and gold guidance have been reduced, and total copper production guidance is now 755,000 to 805,000 tons, compared to 830 to 880,000 tons previously issued. Total gold guidance has been reduced to 250 to 270,000 ounces, a 30,000 ounce decrease from guidance previously issued. As previously mentioned, the company has reduced capital expenditure guidance for 2020 in company-wide review, a reduction of $175 million from previous guidance issued, and this is now down to $675 million. The reduction in capital expenditure for the year includes moving construction on the fourth crush at Sentinel into 2021, as well as deferring some expenditure together with deferring some process improvement and maintenance programs and operations. As part of the cost management strategy, the upper end of the total C1 cost range has been reduced $0.05 per pound, while the sustaining cost uh, guidance range has been reduced by $0.05 per pound as well. I should note that the production guidance and cost guidance includes assumptions on the impact of COVID-19 on operations, including the assumptions on the duration of the preservation and safe maintenance at Cabaret Panama. Turning to the next slide in production, total copper production for the quarter of 195,000 tonnes was 43% higher than the comparable period of 2019. This increase reflects 56,000 tonnes of Cabaret Panama's contribution. Gold production of 69,000 ounces was 39% higher than the same period in the prior year, with the increase attributable to 23,000 ounces of Cobre Panama production. Turning to the next slide, financial overview. Comparative EBITDA, $434 million for the quarter is an 18% increase on the comparable quarter for 2019. EBITDA benefited for the quarter with 157 million contribution from Cobra Panama and the favorable movement in the hedge program and FX despite the impact of 8% lower realized copper price and the ramp up cost that Ravensorb of $32 million. A comparative loss of $79 million in the quarter and a comparative loss of 11 cents per share. Comparative loss includes a net finance expense of $184 million of which approximately $182 million would have been eligible for capitalization in the same quarter last year. Net debt decreased for the first time since June 2016, a reduction of $16 million. Turning to the next slide, just highlights a bit more detail on the movements and just illustrates the impact of Cobre-Panama on the EBITDA movement. Turning to the next slide on quarterly unit costs, Copper C1 cash cost of $1.30 per pound was $0.04 below the same quarter in the prior year. Copper C1 cost for the quarter was $1.38 per pound. Oil and sustaining cost of $1.64 per pound for the quarter decreased $0.15 against the same period in the previous year. The decrease reflects the lower total C1 cash cost together with lower sustaining capital. As noted previously, we've reduced the guidance for all the sustaining costs by eight cents per pound, reduced the upper range of C1 by five cents per pound. Turning to the copper hedging program outlook, we continue to utilize the copper hedging program to ensure stability of cash flows while maintaining compliance with financial covenants amid the fluctuations commodity prices. Approximately half of the expected copper sales of 2020 are hedged at an average fraud price of $2.62 per pound. The copper has 11,000 tons in margin to also. forward sales contracts at an average price of $6.76 per pound, with maturities to February 2021. The company has also hedged 180 million liters of ultra-low sulfur diesel at an average price of 32 U.S. cents per liter to help manage costs with maturities to April 21. Turning to the next slide, debt and liquidity profile at the year end, or sorry, that's at the quarter end. The company ended the quarter with $1.1 billion of net unrestricted cash and cash equivalents and was in full compliance with all its financial covenants. On April 22nd, The court end, the company amended the financial covenants and senior $2.7 billion term loan and revolving credit facility. The net debt and EBITDA ratio has been increased to five times for the second half of this year, to 4.75 for the first half of next year, and and 4.5 for the second half of next year. The debt service cover ratio has been decreased to 1 for the second, third, and fourth quarter of this year, and for one point, to 1.1 for all quarters of next year. Taking into account forecasts to cash operating inflows, capital expenditure outflows, and available cash and committed facilities, and based on current assumptions of the impact of COVID-19 operations, the company expects to have sufficient liquidity through the next 12 months to carry out its operating and capital expenditure plans and remain in full compliance with this financial cabinet. We continue to take action to manage operational pressures priceless and further strengthen the balance sheet. Thank you. And with that, I'll now back over to Clive.
1: Thanks very much, Hannes. Um, uh, thank you, operator. Could you now turn over the call for questions, please?
3: Certainly, and at this time, we'll just remind everyone, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your telephone keypad. The first question is from Orist Wokadaw with Scotiabank, your line is open.
4: Hi, good morning. Um, I was wondering if we could get a little bit of color on the knock-on impact of the suspension at Coburg Panama. And I'm wondering, I mean, you've obviously cut the guidance for this year um, I think you're assuming a, essentially a two-month suspension. What kind of impact could that have to the ramp up next year uh, based on the guidance I think you'd previously issued, which was about 310 um,
5: to a higher range? Uh, do you anticipate any impact? Kristen, what do you deal with that? Sure, Clive. Hi, Oris. Um, yeah, so look, ostensibly at the... 300,000 ton uh, copper production per annum. At that level, we we were expecting to produ- be producing at about 75,000 tonnes per quarter. And really, the impact of COVID-19 on our business is that is really just how long is that duration? And in the guidance, uh, we've lost three weeks in April so far. We we're saying at the, at the uh, lower end of the bound um, that might uh, hoping. To start in May, but then it might impact uh, production through to the end of, of June, uh, but at the upper end, maybe until sort of mid-July. And then we would get back to the 75,000 tonnes um, per quarter. And at that level, you know, particularly for Q4, and um, at the higher bound, if we if were able to do that in the, in, in the third quarter as well, we wouldn't see any impact into next year, 2021, uh, because we'd be at that... Um, at the 85 million million tonne per annum throughput rate. Oh, that's excellent, thank you. And
4: and just in terms of the restart uh, from the COVID-19 suspension, um, you put out guidance, I guess, of of restarting by the end of May. Is that indicative of what the government is telling you with respect to the appropriate restart timeline or is that just sort of... um, I'm just wondering if you can give us some color on the timing here.
5: Sure. Uh look, I, th- I think it's like everywhere else. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a massive green light or, you know, uh, anyone come down from the Temple Mount to say everything's open for business. Uh, what we, we are, have got in place is a very collaborative approach with the Ministry of Health and the government around, you know, the priority being the health and safety of the workforce uh, and that, we, that we're able to uh, have a clean and safe site to do business. Um, so, at the moment, there's about 1,000, 1,100 people on site, and really that's on care and maintenance. The reason we, we, we talk about um, preservation and safe maintenance is that we are uh, able to, to turn the mills, and that's important because in the Panama climate, we wouldn't want condensation and so on. So, there is rock going into the mills, there is some production happening, but it's really around ensuring that uh, when we're ready to start and everybody's happy that we can we can start. And that will be around uh, demonstrating a clean and healthy site, which is um, we're confident in, in terms of where we're as a site. Uh, but then also, you know, the surrounding um, impact of COVID in Panama and the overall trajectory of, of transmission in Panama. They'll obviously be looking at the curve nationally and making the decision nationally. We would hope that Co- uh, Cobra Panama, is an isolated site, uh, is a good candidate because it's um, segregated from the rest of the country with a a, a reasonable ability to hold a border and then manage uh, accommodation, manage uh, personnel on site to operate in in the very strict protocols that uh, the Ministry of Health has um,
3: put forward. Thanks, Tristan. Appreciate it. The next question is from Lawson Winder with Bank of America. Your line is open.
6: Hi, everybody.
7: Uh, Tristan, maybe if I could just uh, start off by following up on your commentary there on, on preservation and, and safe maintenance. Obviously, that's, that's different um, text that you, than you guys used in the April 7th release where you called it care and maintenance. So you mentioned that um, rock is still going into the mill. Now, is, is that uh, rock of um, a high enough grade to still have some, uh, some copper coming out? And, you know, what else is involved in, in preservation and safe maintenance as opposed to uh, care and maintenance?
5: Thanks. Sure, Lawson. Um, look, ostensibly it's care and maintenance. What we, and we wouldn't be saying that we're producing copper at the moment. But, you know, in terms of ships of, of copper leaving Cobra Panama, it's nowhere near, um, you know, what would be a full production level. But what's important is that the mills turn, that's principally focused on the preservation of the assets. Um, So that, you know, for example, those big GMDs, the gearless motor drives uh, on the the, the big sag mills, on the big ball mills, we wouldn't want to see any condensation. So it's important they run for a continuous period of time, you know, sort of 12 hours. And for that reason, you know, we wouldn't want to be running them empty uh, for that period of time. So that's why we're putting rock in. It's not about production, it's about keeping the assets in condition. If you went to the other extreme, which is a full care and maintenance program, you'd obviously be looking to completely empty uh, and completely shut down, and then the problem is when you come to start, you have a much longer ramp-up curve. The reason we're able to do that is the number of people is not materially different between care and maintenance and what we call preservation and safe maintenance. Uh, You know, it's the same workforce. So, you know, we have the people on site. We're confident that they uh, can maintain social distance, that we're able to, uh, in in the risk, uh, the job uh, and hazard identification for each task on the site to manage COVID-19, to manage the transmission of the virus in in our safe work practices. Uh, And for that reason, you know, it's okay to keep putting um, material through, but we wouldn't talk about it in the context of production. The other activities that are happening, um you know we're obviously focused on the tailing stand and moving that forward uh and that again that's more around um, environmental side that we're managing that responsibly uh, and then the other is the power plant uh panama uh, and the the national grid authority is keen to have that power into the grid and so at the moment the the power station is running at um, pretty much full production
7: okay great thank you for that and then um um, just w- another question on Cobre Panama, um, y- you know, your, your guidance that uh, normal production levels at Cobre Panama will require from late May until, until late June or, or early July even to reach normal production, you know, it was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I, I'm, j- I'm just curious if you could just give us some detail on, on why you think it would take such a long period of time to get from a restart at the end of May to the normal, you know, possibly as, as late as mid-July, Thanks.
5: Yeah, look, I think the May date is really around where we, where we would be uh, at breakeven, uh, and, and it really depends on uh, having a clean and, and safe site available. Uh, it isn't really about ramp-up, it's about uh, demonstrating and, and making sure that personnel are safe. As part of that, uh, at the moment, um, because we have a hard border to the mine, it takes, we, we're insisting on an isolation regime that's uh, two weeks in quarantine to come onto the site, to make sure that, you know, we don't have further cases on the site. Uh, and, you know, you'll appreciate that moving a shift workforce on and having two weeks of isolation uh, when they, they enter the gate to when they can actually work in the field, we just need to work through that in, on, a, on a sort of context of, of, of manpower and labour movement. Uh, and that's so that we can maintain uh, safe accommodation, you know, not be doubling up in, in accommodation units, uh, and that's really the reason uh, there. And then, if we can, you know, obviously, if if, if the curve in Panama performs a lot better, uh, then we can start to accelerate that a little bit more um, uh, than than the sort of um, mid June, mid July.
7: Okay. Now, thank you for very much for that color. And then, maybe just one final question on, on corporate Panama. Um, you spoke about the four to six million dollar. Um, in care and maintenance costs, so I guess now preservation and safe maintenance costs, Um, assuming the suspension of labor contracts and a hard downturn of other variable uh, and fixed costs, I'm I'm just curious, um, have you been able to suspend those labor contracts and and to what degree can you affect a hard downturn in uh, other variable costs and fixed costs?
5: Thank you. Yes, sure. The simple answer is yes. Yes. Um, so we suspended uh, 7,000 odd labour contracts last Monday, um, and you know, that's progressing in order. Uh, that's according to the that was approved by Mitradel, uh, the Panamanian Ministry of Labour, um, the prior Friday, and that's happening in order. So uh, that's already underway. Uh, the other turn down in cost is is really, as um, um, uh, was mentioned, you know, accessing cheaper fuel prices. Uh, and, and so on and that's already starting to come through uh, into the business
7: thank you very much
3: the next question is from matthew fields with Bank of America your line is open
8: uh, hey everyone um, I have two questions one on the, the term loan and one on the revolver um, good to see you, you got the covenant relief in April um, I see from slide 14 that 450 million is is still due under that term loan amortization in 2020 and, and 2021. Was there any discussion with the banking group um, for the covenant waivers that, that term loan amortization relief would be a part, like you you might be able to defer some amortization until 21 or, or even later? Um, thanks. And then I have a revolver question. Sure. Um, look, it
2: it was raised, you know, so I did raise um, but at this stage, we do have sufficient liquidity and headroom in terms of um, what we need for the remainder of the year and to see us through that period. So the plan is still to um, repay that term loan in the biannual uh, installments of 225 uh, every six months. So uh, so that's still in place. And you had a question on the revolver as well?
8: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, the the January refi where you did the uh, the bond add-ons, you know, took care of the 21s, the 300 million stub there, and then the 450 excess was supposed to pay revolver down, but you ended up drawing it in full. Um, Why the draw uh, fully on the revolver? Does that 450 now sort of, is that earmarked for the term loan amort this year, or is it something else? And then do you intend to use the 300 million accordion feature before June on that revolver? Right. So I'm sorry because that's a few yeah. questions, but no. no.
6: Um,
2: so the the intent when we issued that was to pay down the revolver, which we did. Um, but then, as you as you quite aware, the circumstances changed quite dramatically in the matter of two and a half three months. And what we've seen is quite a few companies draw down in the revolver, and we, you know, we did the same. Um, so that's what we did just before quarter Is just threw down on the revolver and to have that uh, available as cash. We can deal with the accordion feature. That's just the, an ability for us to bring in additional bank um, before end of June to upsize that facility to 300 million, but I think it's probably fair to stay in the current environments and likely to um, secure any fresh cash under that facility. I wouldn't count on that 300 being available at all um, under the facility
8: the incremental but under um, the accordion okay so, um thanks very, much. thanks very much
3: the next question is from jackie prisbelowski with bmo capital markets your line is open
0: thanks very much uh i just wanted to um circle back to the guidance and maybe maybe talk about the capex spending that you've uh, deferred, Uh, are you able to comment on what this means for 2021 CAPEX spending? Can we assume most of that $175 million deferral will be uh, pushed into 2021 and that spending in that year uh, should go up, or uh, or was some of that 2021 spending discretionary and and maybe the, the overall spending is going to be similar to what the previous guidance was?
1: do you want to do that?
2: Um, yeah I can maybe do the first but Julie can add on to that but um, look uh, a, a lot of or some of the twenty ones as you rightly stated is, is um, discretionary as well, so you know I wouldn't add the one seventy five to next year. I would expect next year to probably reduce from the pre- previous levels, but Juliet, maybe you can um, add a bit more. Mm-hmm.
9: Yes, I mean, of, of, of that, it's right that, that some of that is um, deferring into 2021, uh, uh, things like particularly the fourth crusher um, at Sentinel. Um, but um, as Hannah has said, you know, when, when it comes to 2021, we're, you know, we're really, uh, we'll do a full review of that as well. And it might be that some discretionary spend falls out of that as well. So I, I wouldn't uh, read into it that it means that our 2021 guidance will go up. I don't think it will. Great,
0: thanks. Um, and, and just shifting gears to Zambia, uh, I noticed in the MDNA that there was a comment about how the, uh, the, the Zambia Revenue uh, Authority is looking to bring in some um, COVID mitigation measures in terms of tax relief. Uh, I know it uh, doesn't seem like there's a lot of information on those uh, tax measures yet, but um, can you maybe uh, give us some colour around what you might expect those to be implemented and if those are temporary, uh, you know, what the thinking on when those would be lifted is, and also if, uh, if any of that tax relief has been included in the new uh, C1 and all-in cost guidance that you've given?
10: Uh, yeah, Virginia, you yeah, want yeah. that,
9: would you like me to comment on that? Or
2: well, maybe Juliet on the guidance side, yep.
9: Yeah, so um, in terms of, you know, we're, 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 obviously that's not um, you know, been enacted at this stage, but our, our understanding in, in looking into it is that um, there would be a, you know, if you looked at nine months from the 1st of April for the rest of the year, that would be a saving on C1 level of about $44 uh, million, which is $0.03 cents, um, at group level, probably about $0.06 cents at Consantium, and $0.04 cents at Sentinel. Um, and the post-tax impact of that would be about $31 million. We haven't embedded that in, into our guidance um, at this stage because it's not enacted, and, and, and we're awaiting further detail. That's great,
0: thanks very much.
3: The next question is from Carl Blunden with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open.
10: Hi, thanks very much for the time. Um, You've done a lot of good work in terms of of hedging and limiting downside uh, from the commodity side. Um, When you think about the additional sources of liquidity, I I realize you've tapped the revolver. Um, Could you give us an explanation of what those might be if, if things continue to be worse than expected in the macro and any preferences you might have? You know, some of the things you've spoken about historically have been secured debt, uh, potential asset sales, maybe project-level debt. Um, just uh, interested in potential liability management you could do down the line. Sure. Um,
2: look, we, we, we do have some um, capacity still available if we want to do prepaid on, on some copper streams or something like on, on copper forward sales. So we do have some ability to do some of that. Um it's still got some gold that can you as well that you know, if you're looking at streaming deals that's available as an option. Uh secure data is certainly an option. Um because we don't have a lot of security at the asset level, so we can certainly introduce some I mean there's definitely a capacity within the banking group to introduce more at that level. So that that is an option. And then as you will be aware of we are running a process in terms of um, some minority interest stakes um, in Zambia and Ravensoft that we spoke about before and that will take some time but yeah this is certainly quite a few levers and that's without going to the bond market at the current moment which is probably not that attractive that's helpful Hunter.
10: and on those levers is it does it seem like it's, um, you know, a couple months, couple quarters before you have to make a decision. You know, obviously you can be opportunistic and you've done a good job of that in the past when the markets have opened, you've extended maturities. Um, but should we expect anything near term or just kind of, you know, you see how 2020 plays out. We'll, we'll find out a little bit later down the road.
2: Well, I, I think in terms of liquidity, we're pretty good in terms of the liquidity. You know, we've uh, we've now got some headroom in term, uh, that we got with the support of our a very supportive banking group. So that's given us headroom in terms of uh, covenants and we do have liquidity, so there's no immediate need to rush out and do something. So we can take our time and um, assess the uh, the opportunities as and when applicable and opportunity.
3: Thanks very much. Good luck. The next question is from Greg Barnes with TD Securities. Your line is open. Yeah, Thank you. Clive, can you give us any guidance or color on whether the discussions
6: around those minority-stake sales, particularly in Zambia, have they reopened, given China seems to be getting back to business, or is that still a, a very slow process? Um, uh,
5: Tristan, do you, would you take that one? Sure, Claude. Thanks, Greg, for the question. Uh, yeah, we're seeing a little bit of uh, China reopening, and yeah, I wouldn't say that things are um, progressing with pace, but uh, I think the uh, analogy given to me is, is things are a little bit like a donkey at the moment. If you were looking for an analogy like a, an animal analogy, uh, you know, you have to push the donkey quite hard, but eventually it will get there, and I, I think that's the flavour we have on things uh, coming out of China. Um, so you is... push, are you pushing the donkey or are they pushing you <laughs> uh, the donkey's <laughs> moving and certainly we 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 we've been working on it um substantially over the last few months and um and i think that gives you some colour as to where it's at certainly there seems to be some interest um but i wouldn't uh, in, you know in terms of likelihood it's not like where it was um at you know, this time last year for example
11: okay Craig, I think it's just the practical reality of it at the moment, and that is that those programs and initiatives have been running, but of course there are due diligence requirements and other uh, needs to witness and go and have a look at things. And right at the moment, none of the potential people can actually visit. In fact, nobody could get into Western Australia at the moment or out. And so looking at Ravens thought has to wait, and that is probably really um, constraining the timing of the thing. So, the progress has continued, more or less a, a pace, but inhibited by the fact that there are things that can't really easily be done. Um, and we, and that, that is a little bit uncertain, because you're not quite sure when that change, and it will be different for, for different places, of course.
6: Thanks, Philip. Just as well, do you have any color on COVID-19 and the spread in Zambia, for example, or in Africa in general? Is the situation there at the early stages? Do you anticipate it to accelerate? And if it does, would the government in Zambia put travel restrictions, social distancing restrictions, and things that would cause you to produce production at Constantia or Sentinel? Rudy?
1: Rudy, do you want to do that?
12: Yeah, thanks, Stuart. What we've seen in, in, in Zambia uh, during all of this time, since early January when we started to, to um, educate our workforce and the, and the communities around, not just in Sulawesi, but also down in Osaka and you know, in the center of Kalambilla, as far early as January, we've been involving communities and, and, and have, had education programs um, that went up. Uh, when the first cases really started in um, in March, the as luckily you know Zambia had a, obviously numerous examples to follow right throughout the world, and especially the, the, the sort of um, very strict reaction in South Africa, the Zambian president um, effectively restricted access to Zambia through only one airport, Lusaka, and has made it mandatory for people that come into to the country to go into 14-day isolation. And that has worked well. There hasn't been the same sort of draconian restrictions put in place in Zambia as in South Africa or, or, or New York or any of those places. And I think to, to some extent it has had the benefit here And that um, Zambia's got a very, very young population, doesn't have the same sort of percentage of old people as the uh, European countries are concerned, and obviously it requires a different method of dealing with it. And I think he's dealt with it quite remarkably. Naturally, uh, ourselves as, as a company, as, as are the others, have instituted an enormous amount of, of, of work in screening and making uh, provisions for staff and the communities so that they are especially aware of what's going on. So we are now in, in going into May. Uh, it's also then has had a month worth of of lockdown of bars and and restaurants and the like, although the rest of free movement is, is allowed. And that has worked perfectly, it worked very well. Zambia has only had three deaths so far. It's had a number of positive cases, sure. There's not an, enough uh, testing as you would ex- see in, in other European countries, but I think that's also part of its success, to be quite honest and I don 't think that for one minute that we will find ourselves in a situation in Zambia where the government would, imp- would impose closure of mining, mining uh, uh, facilities. They clearly have, they have clearly um, provided support. They are actively uh, encouraging the mind to continue whilst observing various hygiene and uh, um, practices. So I don't see uh, a, a situation in Zambia where it runs away, no. That's
3: fantastic. Thanks very much for the call. The next question is from Robert Cabrera with CIBC. Your line is open.
13: Uh, thank you, Cabrera. Good morning or evening, everyone. Um, I was wondering if you could provide more uh, color on the segmentation of your topics reduction of 175 million, uh, with respect to like sustaining um, projects, or you know, uh, I think you already mentioned that part of it is, has to do with with Sentinel, but just wondering if you could provide more colour on it, Juliet. Yes.
9: Yeah, so, um, in, in terms of uh, the major reductions, it, it, um, it will include um, the, uh, the deferral of um, some expenditure on the Force Crusher at Sentinel. Um, so, so, that, so that's an element of it, and at, well, at, as well at Sentinel some the um, uh, delay or deferment of some uh, process improvements, such as the trolley assist phase uh, four and five. Um, we, we, had, we have reduced an element of uh, development capex that we also had, had in. I think we, we previously said we, we, we had uh, 50 million in the guidance, and we've, re- we've reduced that down uh, to 20, 20, mil, 20 million as well. Um, there are also at um, uh, Consanci some uh, deferment of, of certain uh, improvement projects um, such as uh, a, a sulfide gravity gold project and some resource drilling and, and, and some deferment of, of uh, mine fleet replacement and mixed and oxide Jameson project. Um, and, and then uh, at um, Cobra Panama, you know, we've had some reduction rather than a bit of reduction in, in budgeted. Uh, Spend in one or two areas uh, as well. So, so, so that's broadly, and also um, a, a reduction in in this year's spend on Schumacher Levy at Ravensworth. So, so, those would be the sort of key key areas where uh, capital
13: expenditure has, has either been deferred or reduced. Okay, so you know, from from what I can gather in your disclosure, there was about a fifty million reduction in sustaining capex about a 25 million reduction in capitalized tripping and um and so the other ones that you mentioned does that is that the the full 175 correct correct and and then one more thing please um i you know it is my understanding that there was approximately 50 million Mm dollars put aside for greenfield projects was that um Completely eliminated is that the fifty that you mentioned reduced to twenty. Um, yes, yes. So it's gone down from the fifty that we
9: had. There is still twenty that we may or may not spend, um, but, but but but
13: we've left it in for the time being within the guidance. Okay, great. That's that's helpful. Thanks. And then with respect to um, uh, to your plans for the expansion and throughput and cover Panama, I'm, I'm assuming that. All of this has been put on on hold. Um, can you just provide us with your thoughts on how you're viewing this expansion in the in the current environment?
5: Tristan, do you want to answer that one? Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of yeah, the expenditure this year, um, you know, the major elements were really on on design uh, stage, uh, but at the moment. You know, the, the main work stream is really on uh, continued delineation drilling between Batika Pit and, um, and Kalina, and in particular around the, the Medio Pit area, which was the, the route for the, um, the, the proposed uh, conveyor belt to go through. And so that work's not enormously expensive. We have already completed, um, you know, a substantial portion of it. So we would like to finish that off uh, so that we can get on with the permitting and the environmental studies and so on, which are part of uh, the timetable. So those aren't big expenditure requirements. We think that it, it's good practice to continue and get those done. Uh, but yes, the major capital, uh, which was in design, uh, we, we sort of pushed that back um, because we think we can, uh, you know, there won't be... Uh, too many other projects that we're looking at uh, in the near term, and so we'll be able to give some focus to, to that if we need to do that um, uh, for the timetable. So, at the moment, it's it's, it's pushing back um, design with a view that we can bring that in later and accelerate it as we need to. Okay.
13: Thanks, Chris, Christian. And so, the, the 25 million in the first capital spending for stripping, was that all related to COVID Panama?
9: It, it was
13: in the, in
9: the first quarter. Okay. okay. Sorry, you, you, could, you, you couldn't just clarify the question on stripping?
13: Yeah, no. Like I said, you know, if you compare your um, your guidance on CAPEX uh, at the end of last year to this quarter, there seems to be about a $25 million, uh reduction in capitalized stripping.
9: Yes, yes, and, and that, and uh, in terms of um, previous guidance, um, it is—it is, it isn't all. It—it's it, just—it's just—it it isn't. It's—it's it's, as you know, it is largely in Panama that is correct that reduction.
13: Okay, okay, no, thanks very much. Then, last thing, if I may, um, you know, in terms of your hedging for for diesel, um, does that um, fulfill your requirements for, you know, until April 2021?
11: Not necessarily. I mean, hedging is a tricky exercise, and we've been pretty happy that we see the copper price moving back up above $2.30, um, but we will watch it carefully. Um, as you all know, it's a fairly uncertain world, and um, it's useful for us at times to ensure a little more um, certainty. And it's what we so we focused a lot on the second quarter of this year. Um, and we were doing that early in the year, so it's not easy to hedge past 12 months, and that's what took us to the end of 2020. Um, but then when the price came, went down a lot so there was no question that we'd look at that those sorts of prices for the first part of 2021 but we'll review it okay you are asking about the for... and i just comment that it, there was provision made for capital expenditure at first at Cobra panama for what might be needed to achieve um, eventually 100 million tons a year but until the plant was running steadily ramped up, we were always of the view that we didn't actually know what its limits were. And so what you would have seen there for capital included amounts that were just provisional, you know, what it might take, um, either another mill or something like that. I think that, in in essence, those are no longer in there. And we've yet, actually, to determine what the limit is on that plant um, going forward. And there are some opportunities to increase the production without any major capital expenditure. And one of them, for example, in the nature of the drill and blast. And we haven't yet had the chance to work on that to, um, to, uh, to see its impact. What the benefit of one of the benefits of this period when it's a little bit slower we have been able to make some, um, do some work in the plant and improve a variety of um, elements that, that needed work done on them, and we expect that those will um, manifest themselves um, to some advantage once we can wind it up again. And I think Tristan was referring to that as the um, expected capacity of the, of the operation
13: later on this year. Yeah, no, understood, uh, Thank you very much, uh, everyone, and that's a lot.
3: The next question is from Matt Vittorioso with Jeffries. Your line is open.
14: Yeah, good morning. Um, maybe I'll just take a quick stab at um, a year-end liquidity question. Uh, you've got a little more than 1.1 billion of liquidity today, and then on the on the you've got loan amortization uh, as a minus. But it seems like based on your current guidance, you should be generating some uh, positive cash flow throughout the year. So, I guess just from a high level, how, how do you see, you know, if, if copper were to stay uh, in this 235-240 range, just for a conservative assumption, how would you see liquidity at year end with those? two sort of things trying to balance each other, the amortization and the positive cash flow, would you see liquidity meaningfully different from where it is today?
2: Um, look, we, we see it as sufficient, you know, and, and that's what uh, we make and making sort of going concern statements and making statements that, that we do make. So, um, I mean, we have reduced capital by quite a bit. We do have the amortizations coming up, but some of the operating costs is coming down as well. Um, so there's, there's quite a few moving parts to that, um, but it's, it's sufficient liquidity.
14: How about just as, as a, maybe a different angle, I mean, do you, under your current guidance in that spot copper where it is today, would you still anticipating generating positive cash flow for the full year? Sorry, positive
2: cash flow. We would generate positive cash flow, certainly. Yeah, um, okay. no, I think, you know, the one, we, we go back repeatedly and look at capital expenditure and operating expenditure, one one of exercise. You know, so you repeatedly go back and revisit some of these um, measures that we do to reduce cost. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you.
3: The next question is from Gordon Lawson with Paradigm. Your line is open.
4: Hi, good morning. Uh, following up on the Zambian tax relief, is there a way you can maximize your VAT receivables during this period? Um, I think, you know, the, uh,
2: yeah, the Zambia tax, I mean, as we said earlier, that's not legislated yet. Uh, look, it's an ongoing discussion with government in terms of how do we do the historic VAT, um, you know. But I, I think it's fair to say Zambia is in a pretty tricky situation at the moment, debt-wise and treasure-wise. So I wouldn't expect a sudden change in that um, that receivable, and hence we have classified it in our balance sheet as well as a long-term receivable.
4: Okay. Um, and can you comment on the expected cost to ramp Cobra Panama back up uh, as it relates to CapEx versus OpEx? And uh, is there any uh, estimated timeline to reach 100 million tons per year?
5: Tristan? Yeah, thanks, Clive. Gordon, yeah, we, we haven't really changed the timing on 100 million. It remains the same as what was in the 43-101. Um, we'll just have to... Look at that iteratively. Obviously, the focus at the moment is on um, getting back into production and back into the ramp up up to the 85. Uh, in terms of cost, to do that, um, as Philip was was mentioning, we've done a lot of work in the background now, in terms of uh, um, making that available to us uh, once we restart restart properly. Um, so, I, look, I don't expect you know anything really out of the ordinary in terms of cost where we're continuing to, to make sure that we do the right level of expenditure, for example, is in the TMF, uh, that we, you know, because we're at that period where we need to be covering the broad base of the, the whole wall, the whole sand wall, uh, and so we need to keep that work going. Um, but that's not, you know, we have the opportunity to do that over long periods and do it steadily and regularly. Um, so, yeah, we don't see any one area where we, you know, will massively uh increased capital. In fact, you know, if anything, things like sustaining costs, for example, on the mining fleet relate to, um, you know, the ongoing PCR or replacement of, of key parts, and that's directly related to uh, the usage hours and a, and a period of downturn like this will, will change that and push out some of those PCR programs. You know, that's not in the, the capital adjustments as yet to a great level of detail. Um, because, you know, we would wait to see where we land and, and how those machine hours come out. So, no, I don't see any um, major area for, for, for large capex to get back up to the 85. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you.
3: The next question is from Janis Mazbulas with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open.
15: Um, thanks very much for um, taking my questions. Uh, A couple left on my side. First, um, on Sentinel, regarding the uh, delay of the fourth uh, uh, crusher, um, should we be thinking about a full year delay relative to the technical study you published uh, a couple of months ago? Um, That's uh, number one. Number two, just in terms of the um, depreciation of the Zambian quota, can you give us a bit of an indication on – how much of that is baked into your um, cash cost guidance for the year? And, and I'll stop there for the questions. Right.
9: On, on the quadra, um on our uh, forecast and things like that, we, we were using a rate of around 16.50. I, I think the current rate is around about 18, isn't it? So, um, you, you know, there is, there is a little bit of potential, potential upside in there.
16: It's
11: a really good talk about the fourth crusher, but I'll just comment that when you have input crushing in a mine, um, there's a development process going on all the time, and so you need to have crushers in different locations. Sentinel only has three crushers, and in time it needs to move another crusher into what's called the Eastern Cutback, and that's where the fourth crusher will go. But in the meantime, they have three crushers, and they can produce what they need to, and in fact, um, at the moment, Sentinel is running particularly well, um, and we have no reason to believe that it won't continue like that. And, <clears throat> and then the fourth crusher will come come into play sometime in 2021, and that just, that just provides some flexibility for them in terms of their mine plan. So there's not significant change occur because they have a fourth crusher, other than it just uh, give them a lot more insurance on um, capacity of the plant and some vers- and flexibility in terms of where they move the, the crushing plants to. So it's, that's the significance of that capital expenditure, It's just the nature of what goes with it crushing. And, of course, we get the benefit of that in the operating costs.
15: That's clear. Thank you. And uh, maybe a quick follow-up, if I may. Um, you talked about the process around the minority stake sale either in Zambia or at Ravenstorp. Um Is it fair to say that the uh, stake sale at Cobra Panama is um, off the table even when operations normalize?
7: What's really
11: Hello. happened of Panama was, was that um, there's a 10% holding by CORES, and they had tried to sell it now on two occasions and go through a process to do that with no success. And our discussions will be with CORES, which is government-owned, so the process is pretty slow. Um, and perhaps I'll explain why it is that it has no interest to other parties, and that's because the original Korean ownership was of 20% of Cobra Panama in a separate company, and they structured it with a Canadian company. And when we purchased LS Nico's stake, we ended up with 50% of that Canadian company that in turn owned 20%. And in the original agreements, there was a fairly simple and conventional ar- relationship between the 20% and the 80%, the operator, that's us. But there wasn't really much in the form of any agreement for the 50-50 ownership by Lissnico and Corres. So Corres' stake ends up being a 50% ownership of, in a company that the other 50% is the operator of the the whole lot and owns the other 80%. And that means that bidders aren't particularly interested in that, because it's quite a substantial amount. So what we've been trying to do is to sort out an arrangement or a relationship that might make that process work better. As you can imagine, it doesn't happen quickly. And that's what we're working on. And we will have to do that possibly by selling 10% of ours, and then eventually acquiring the Cori stake or something like that. So it's not, it's not um, easy to plot a course through that lot. And that's our process with, uh, with Cobra Panama. That's very helpful. Thank you.
3: Again, as a reminder, please press star one to ask a question. The next question is from Ian Rosso with Barclays. Your line is open.
16: Thank you, guys. um uh, just wanted to follow up on the uh, VAT, uh, Zambian but VAT balances question uh, on Hannes. Um, I see in the quarter you were able to offset some of these VAT. I assume it's sort of VAT that came due in the quarter um, against um, other tax balances. Um, uh, just wanted to get a sense. I mean, this seems to have been the first time that you have been able to do that. And um, maybe just comment on expectation that at least forward, going forward you, would, you, you could be able to do that. Um, And then the second question, just uh, around the working capital side, I mean, you mentioned um, there was quite a a sizable working capital inflow into the business this quarter, just what your expectations are for the remaining quarter, um, just from a sort of ramp-up perspective at Cobra Panama and um, just elsewhere across the business. Um, And then just lastly on the, um, what Tristan, you were saying on the production, you don't expect uh, any impact for next year on the business, um, maybe just sort of across the business, um, given you are reducing stripping. Um, do you – is the assumption that you can catch up and therefore um, that should not pose a risk to production, or, or um, do you think that that might actually increase the risks or reduce flexibility <coughs> for next year on the production side to maintain that guidance?
2: Um, Ian, on terms um, of the VAT, uh, yes, we've, we we have received a bit of Obviously, um, circumstances come a bit tough now and recent, more recently. Um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly look at offsetting it uh, going forward, where, um, when, if possible. So, I mean, that, that was positive progress in last quarter. Yeah, and this, this year we certainly made decent progress in Zambia on that front. Um, Working capital, look at, uh, we are ramping up at Ravenstorpe, so there will be small bits um, that we will incur. There's some, some additional ramp up at Panama or just in terms of the working capital. Before the other items, it's a sort of large swings at quarter end, um, which we try and eliminate in terms of finished goods and, and receivables but I wouldn't expect the rest to change by much. In fact, some, possibly some reduction in some of the inventory over the next while, just with the um, restriction and movement in various places.
16: Okay. Okay, thanks.
5: Yeah, and Ian, to address the the, the question on, um, on deferred stripping, so, well, at least speaking from the Cobra Panama side, for us as a, um, a disseminated sulfide, uh, you know, we, we have much less of those um, ore and waste contacts. It's much more about um, you know, the, the the grade of the block that's in front of you, and you know which of those grades you're selecting to take to the crusher. So, if uh, we do have some ability, and as Philip was mentioning, in terms of the, the plant throughput to take. Additional blocks uh, into the into the mill, um, if we can get the volume, uh, you know, up and above the sort of uh, target rate. So we, there is some risk there, of course, if you you know, if you were, you know, simply high grading or, or deferring pure stripping. Uh, it's slightly more nuanced at Cobra Panama because we could take that block uh, to the mill uh, if we have the volume and space available um, to take that block. So, that's really what we're thinking and what the main exercise will be as we ramp up is to be um, pushing the grade that's going to the mill lower and lower, um, producing more and more incremental copper.
3: The next question is from Nick Jarmasuk with Stifol. Your line is open.
6: Hi. Um, thanks for addressing the prior question regarding uh, JVs and debt issuance. A question on uh Would you consider issuing any equity or equity linked securities if uh if you needed the liquidity to address the, the debt maturities I think the short answer is no okay. And then on the Constanti mining license, I have my notes. It expires in 22. Is that still the case? And can you talk about when you start discussions in earnest with the government to extend the license? We're already in, sorry, uh, uh, we're already in process of doing that and we don't foresee any issues there. Okay. When could we expect some sort of news there? What sort of, can you just discuss what sort of term you're looking for? So, can you repeat that, please? Here? Oh, I didn't hear. Oh, I was curious if to discuss what sort of what the duration of the mining license would be that you're looking for.
12: It would just be a, a, a renewal of of the current license, which makes provision for 25 years, which covers the mine, current mine life of about 20 years. So that's should be
6: should be fine. Okay. And then are you expecting any material changes from the current one?
12: Material changes in the license itself? Yes. yes. No, not at all. Okay. Well ahead, thank you.
3: The next question is from Orist Okadell with Scotia Bank. Your line is open.
4: Hi, thanks for taking the follow-up. I'm just curious if we can get some color on when the updated Kansanshi technical report may be released.
1: I think it's, uh, it's sometime later this year, but uh, yeah. we haven't sort of pinned a, a date yet, I don't think.
4: Okay, and then in terms of the energy cost, I mean, obviously diesel uh, fuel has come down significantly. Can you maybe give us kind of a broad idea of of what that might represent with respect to cost savings? Um, I mean, with Mm -hmm. energy pricing falling in half, can you maybe quantify what that might do from a a C1 perspective Mm -hmm. across the portfolio?
9: Um, I I think in the um, appendices to the slide presentation, we we give some sensitivity on uh, fuel movement, so you know, 10% movement in oil price, including um, hedge impact, uh, is seen to have an impact of about $5 million. Uh, if we didn't have the hedge in place, it would be about $10 million. Um, so, 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 for example, our Zambian fuel price, um, about 30 to 40% of it is sensitive to the fuel price, but there will be some additional costs, such as transport costs, and uh, local tax and a premium for spots. Uh, so um, there are some elements of more fixed costs as well attributed to, to, to some of the field sites. But we give a sense of, I think it's on page 19 of the slide there. Okay,
4: thank you. And then finally, um, just an accounting question. Um, can you explain the how, what the accounting treatment is at Cobra Panama with respect to the precious metals in the stream because it looks like you're grossing up the revenue kind of far greater than even the market value of the precious metals and then offsetting that with some kind of cost uh, increase for refinery back credits um, I've never seen this before can you just walk us through that
17: um, I'll Simon there I'll, uh, I'll maybe take that question um, so in terms of the the revenue online uh, associated with the stream um, we, we recognize the sale of, uh, of the gold and silver that's in, in concentrate that's sold, but then also as part of the, the stream, we, we, we unwind that deferred revenue, which, uh, which includes the deposit that was received in the, in the construction phase of Panama and then the, on the ongoing amounts as well. Um, from an accounting perspective, there, there is a, a bit of a gross-up, really, um, on, on that revenue. So you'll see gold earned on the stream, which is, which is essentially that unwind uh, together with the gold um, that is earned from uh, the copper and concentrate. And then coming through our cost of sales is, uh, is the cost of the refining back credits that we purchase to, to satisfy that that obligation. So, so it, it sort of nets off through gross profit, really. So.
4: Okay. But your cash cost per pound reported, um, have they, are they a clean number or, or are they – Using an inflated um, you know, precious metals revenue
17: credit. It's, it's the net. It's the net number. So within within the byproduct credit, we are we are seeing the the, the byproduct credit from the, the gold and silver that's in concentrate, as well as the the net impact of the uh, of the streaming agreement as well. So that that would include the revenue and in the cost of the, the refined back credits. So it's, it's a net number. So we're not grossing
4: up the impact within C one. Perfect. Thank you very much.
3: There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back to Mr. Newell for any closing remarks. Uh,
1: thank you very much,
16: everybody. And
1: thank you to the uh, the first quantum team as well for uh, the call today. And if you have any further questions, uh, you know uh, where to call. call myself or Lisa, and uh, hopefully we can... Uh, answer those for you. So I look forward to seeing you, well, some of you again next week or hearing from some of you again next week at the AGM. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you in the next, the end of the next quarter.
3: Thanks. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.